Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! There was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are back with another round of dueling lists, but fortunately, this time it's just Graham and I bouncing off each other. It, uh, boy, especially when we hit those video games, it's kind of like spark plugs, right? You could take one of us out, put the other one in, and you wouldn't always notice the difference. It, uh, look, I'm, I'm sort of dragging it out, but the fact of the matter is we have a very special guest in the studio with us today uh, to take a look at something very cool. Graham, why don't you bring us home? Tell us what's going on here today. Well, one of our our guests this week is uh, perhaps the king of Korean English children's television. It's Mr. Brian Dunn. Hi, it's so great to be here today. I love what you did with the studio. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for coming all the way out to the Internet to join us. Yeah, I see all the ones and zeros. It's very beautiful. (laughs) Absolutely. Binary is very popular these days. Electricity goes on, electricity turns off, on and off, on, off, on, off. It's very exciting. Brian Dunn, I don't know if we know where to start because you've done uh, like 101 terribly awesome things with your career. Um, but I guess that's a good start. Like you are kind of a big muckety muck when it comes to English like children's programming over there, right? So uh, my friend Nicholas Pickles, who was the host of Video in Arcade, was my very first TV job. He was on a podcast and the, him and the host were talking about me because uh, they both know me. And Nicholas described me as an elf on a shelf. I'm just kind of everywhere. I get into all these different things. Uh, I have a very unique, unique story. You know, we went to RTA together. I went to Bite TV after that and did uh, TV over there. Uh, and then a little trying out teaching English in Korea. And then finally, I got to do TV in Korea, which, yeah, for a the time I was there, I was the biggest uh, kids host and random kids recognizing me on the streets was quite something to get used to <laughs> over there. Uh, so it's That's been amazing. quite a quite a ride. Yeah. OK. And I, I think I, I do want to talk more about the children's stuff, but we also have to hear about your legendary game show appearance. <laughs> so. Uh, this also was because of my Korea experience. I went to Korea. So I went to L.A. to teach kids English at a church. And I was in this L.A. church for like two or three weeks. And I had some days off. And on one of my days off, I had to go to Price is Right because my favorite show, I watched it every day. Even in Korea, I would watch it every day. Uh, so I went with my friend Matt and I studied how to like what to say, what I would say when I spun the wheel. I was so prepared. I, I remember telling my parents on Skype, like the night before, I was like, I'm going to get on. I don't know how I'm just going to get on. Uh, and, you know, I, uh, it's so important when you're in that lineup, you got to be your best and you, they interview you and you have to show some spunk. You know, some people in front of me didn't know it was an interview and they were talking about their work at Buffalo Wild Wings and it was just so boring. I uh, just got to be on your game. They picked me. I got, I was the fifth person called up, uh, won a car, spun the wheel, got a spatula from Drew, Drew Carey because my shirt said I want a spatula, got to the showcase and was over by $300. Huh! Mm. <laughs> 
That is incredible. Like there, there's not many people who make it onto the prices right, and out of those, even fewer get all the way to the showcase showdown. Incredible. I feel so privileged. I mean, I feel like the like number one, you know, children's social in Korea thing is a little bit more resume material. <laughs> but, but but both are great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Hey, I just I just updated my reel and I put on that Price is Right appearance because that still you know shows my personality and uh, I'm I'm kind of proud of winning a car. You know, it was the last last chance to put the money game. Just right the last time. number. It's the last number. It is a wild performance, no matter where we see you. <laughs> All right, Jess, do you want to tell us what this uh, week's list is? Uh, this, Well, I mean, I'm just stepping back on this one. I'm going to referee between the two of you. But, uh, I mean, obviously we had to do something vis-a-vis children's programming. Um, but the fun stuff of children's programming is children. when you do it right. When you do it right, it's not just for kids. Yeah. You know, and that's the key. And whenever you use that analogy, idiom, whatever... I mean, everybody thinks of Pixar, right? Is there anything else out there that does it as well as they do? Not this consistently. Hmm. There's one-offs, you're right. But, uh, yeah, Pixar. So we have two experts. We have Brian Dunn, who's established his credentials in the children's television world. And we have Graham Beckstead, who has successfully created an heir. uh, And... (laughs) and, uh, together, They've both brought a top five Pixar movies list... (laughs) And we're going to bounce them off each other and see uh, whose list is the better one. Or if maybe mixing them together, we come up with something, you know, a bit of a hybrid. You know, I see this not as a competition, but just like share some, share our love for these beautiful movies. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's true. I don't want, you're not having any ringing bells or anything, right? I mean, the person whose list isn't chosen is going to get dropped through a (laughs) trapdoor into lava. It is. I don't know if we mentioned that before we brought you in. That's I don't know if you noticed like in your like, where, where you're sitting in your house right now the the modifications like the guys were there yesterday to do the the thing it's just a heads up it's fine it's not important don't worry about it so Pixar is a company that was uh, created I think it was part of like Lucasfilm and and uh, one of the the George Lucas's projects and uh, they they started making these movies and and eventually partnered with Disney and then were bought by Disney and they have had such a successful track record that we're at a point now where their sort of their success is almost shooting them in the foot because some of their most recent movies are still by almost any measure really good movies but they're getting compared mm-hmm. to their their highest points and people are like well it was mm-hmm. good but it's not as good as pixar and i think mm-hmm. this is our chance to really dig deep in that are the best ones really the early ones or are some of the later ones the the true diamonds in the rough you got any uh pixar thoughts uh, brian you're you're like a disney guy pixar from way thoughts Hey, you know, I uh, I was actually a Disney travel agent for a while. I did a I did a report on Disney when I was in middle school, and so yeah, all yeah, Disney all the time. That's my thing, and of course, Pixar fits into that. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm looking at my list. I do have ones that are a bit more current, but and I have not. I should say I have not seen Luca yet. So, you know, that could be on this list. I don't know, but like, it looks really good, but I, you know, I can see that uh, there's, there's not like souls not on my list, um, but maybe we'll get into that. Right. Yeah. I, are we, I are did start. Are you starting? What, what did you spell? think of something? Go, go. What's your number five? Okay. 
Number five. <laughs> Number five on the charts is from 2000, uh, kind of mid 2014, 15. It's called Inside Out. Have Didn't you seen make Inside my Out, Graham? I have seen Didn't it. Didn't make your list. Have, have, you seen, have you seen it, Jesse? I haven't seen Inside Out. Tell me oh. about it. So Inside Out is a beautiful movie, and, and it's about the kind of, it shows your child and your inner child that it's okay to feel things, feel different things, feel anger, happy, sad, um, disgust, I think was the other one. <laughs> um, I I love this movie, and uh, it was just, it's just different. That's all, all of my picks, yeah, have, have some sort of standout quality in them that that maybe i guess you could see this in some of the later ones but um yeah i just i loved inside out the highlight for this movie and graham you've you've seen this as uh richard kind as bing bong do you know bing bong yeah. he's the imaginary um kind of elephants man that's uh kind of shows the imagination and and sadly uh disappears in the i i know i mean man. it speaks to my my dark heartlessness, but Bing Bong didn't resonate with me like he did with, with oh. a lot of the rest of the audience. So that's probably why he didn't, why, why that movie didn't make the list for me, but I know so that's the, the audience you start with people going, ah, oh, and you go, shut up. Shh. Like that, that audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That <laughs> <laughs> I'm that guy. <laughs> So help me out here just a bit. So this, so the characters in this movies are emotions, but Bing Bong isn't an emotion I'm familiar with. <laughs> Bing Bong is like um, kind of an imaginary friend. I believe it's. I know this is on my list, but it's been a few years since I've seen this movie. Um, this imaginary kind of uh, representative of imagination. Um, in in the movie, so the, these emotions are inside this girl's head, and they are. Oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kind of going through the plot of this movie. Um, anyways, Bing Bong, <laughs> Bing Bong is hilarious. I love uh, and I love Richard Kind. I should have looked more into the. I'm realizing now as I'm talking about it, I haven't seen this movie for a few years, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> It is it is a beautiful movie and it's it's all about uh this girl who's going through this big changes in her life and she's she's hitting puberty and uh dealing with all the emotional turmoil that comes with that and within the emotions everything that happens in the day creates memories and uh the the if they're especially powerful moments in life they become these sort of foundational memories and there's a sad memory that happens and joy is the main protagonist in the movie. And she's like, we can't have a sad memory. And the, it's like her trying to get this sad That's memory uh, from, from being a thing. And in the course of finding that memory and all the other memories, they come across Bing Bong, who's uh, this imaginary friend from when the, the main character or not the main character, but the, the girl whose head this all takes place. in. that, he's fading away this imaginary friend and and it's like the loss of innocence and loss of childhood and it's uh you know it's one of those real powerful tearjerker moments but bing bong's kind of annoying so i was like i don't care if he disappears so thank you for that summary because (laughs) you summarize it better than than i could because i forgot the core memories but i i love that and when i was at disney california california adventure i met joy Oh, they have Pixar Pier there. So they have all this inside out theme stuff. They have uh, Toy Story Mania and uh, 
I met Joy and I hugged her and those pictures are truly something I'll always remember. The pictures of like security dragging you off in handcuffs? Well, not dragging. They're just suggesting. <laughs> Come on. Aggressive suggesting. suggesting. Sorry. Fine. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's a, a great answer. And I, I know I am uh, the lesser person for not having it on there. I'm sure I'm going to have other things on this but list. That You uh, are a great person yeah. for having an excellent summary of the movie I have my, on my <laughs> list when, you know, <laughs> I should have had one. I should have had a better one. Um, I I think it speaks to my uh, um, con- well, questionable parenting skills because we've been watching a lot of the Pixar movies with my son. Uh, we do these family movie nights and... So a lot of them are fresher than they uh, otherwise would be. Right. Okay. Is it your turn now, Graham? Yeah. And I got to say, before I dive into my list, I did see Luca last week and I was very tempted to put it on this oh. list. And it, it, I, I started questioning recency bias and things like that. And, and it didn't quite make the list, but I really liked it. It's probably my number six, but that's the thing with these movies. There are a few that I don't really have uh, any strong yeah. feelings about, but so many of them are like, if I, if I had seen them last week, they might be more likely to be on my list. Cause I, I just remember how m- much I get out of them every time I see them. Like, I think the top 10 movies of, mm. are kind of interchangeable depending on how recently I've seen. Yeah, them. Yeah. You know, exactly. I felt the same thing for my last one. I almost put monsters Inc. And that's partly cause I've seen that more recently. My daughter really likes that one, which is also a super great uh, Pixar movie. Uh, and also I was like, Oh, Ratatouille. You know, it's like, there's, there's so many. Um, yeah. My, my, top two which we'll get to later um you know we're set in stone i knew which those ones would be but uh i had the same tough. thing it's tough man <laughs> yeah uh, that's gonna be a fun competition when we get there competition <laughs> but for now so let's my... uh yeah let's say uh, what, what did you put for your number five then graham my number five is finding nemo it came oh, out no. uh oh wait uh do, is it on your list sadly no but it is still a favorite okay. that's one of those ones that could have been six or five or yeah yeah, it's one that I didn't, I wouldn't have ranked highly prior to, you know, the last couple of months. I'd seen, I saw it once in theater, didn't really do anything for me. And then I saw it again recently. And I think the addition of my heir, as Jesse mm-hmm. likes to call him, really made it resonate so much more mm. like the, uh, Anyway, so Finding Nemo came out May 30th, 2003, directed by Andrew Stanton, written by Bob Peterson, David Reynolds, and Andrew Stanton, and a story by Andrew Stanton. I'm trying to cover all my bases. So Andrew uh, Stanton about... had a hand in this, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. at least one. Yeah, he, he was consulted. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is about uh, a family of fish, and they're all, uh, you know, they've got this new house together, or, you know, fish equivalent of a house. And uh, tragedy strikes and the family is devastated. It's down to just uh, Albert Brooks's main character, uh, or I can't remember his name, but Marlin. he's the, the lead. Marlin. Marlin, thank you. He's the dad and his son, Nemo. It's just the two of them. They, you know, classic fish family. There was a ton of babies, a ton of eggs hatched, and uh, they were all eaten. And the, the wife was eaten, too. So now Marlin is very nervous about Nemo and won't let him do anything. They get separated and he has to go on this adventure to try and find him. And, and uh, Albert Brooks is a classic sort of neurotic guy. And so having him do the voice of Marlin really adds to it. He finds Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen DeGeneres's Dory, who helps him on the search. Meanwhile, uh, Nemo is getting a chance to 
learn about the world and and he's in a Australian dentist fish mm-hmm. tank and Willem Dafoe helps him escape. It's a whole thing, but it's really the father son relationship that made it resonate with me so much. And uh, I, I don't really, I don't cry at movies. It just doesn't happen to me, but man, the, at the end of this movie, I got, I got serious. Like, you know, someone was chopping onions. There was uh there's some real heart tugging moments at the end of it. The, the most recent time I saw it and it's, it's, it, I, it, it definitely jumped up in the ranks for me. I, on that and level. I feel like I should add here, just to make sure we're focusing on the you know the emphasis of that. I've known Graham for a long time, and he is a cold, unfeeling robot. Um, <laughs> this is verified by a lot of people we know. That if it hit Graham, that must have been one hell of a scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's what what uh, Pixar is great at is it's. I think. I was thinking about it earlier, and and um, a lot of Disney movies, especially the modern Disney movies, tend to focus on a romantic relationship or a more straightforward adventure narrative, whereas the Pixar ones tend to have a deeper, more unique message to them. I mean, do you, what do you? I, I don't want to step on any toes, Brian. Absolutely, and and I see that too. Watching that now, I totally agree with you because I have that. Uh, I have a spawn. I have a child's. Uh, of just a little older than yours um and and you yeah like the father and the child you want to do everything you can to like put yourself in marlin's fins for a second like what would what you what would you do if your only child was just gone you would find him you would find nemo uh so yeah you're right i don't know i think i'd have like a breakdown i don't know that's called breaking down about nemo yeah (laughs) right (laughs) slightly different movie (laughs) but yeah totally like i've watched that uh with luna since um you know i became a father and you're right it's totally different now and and that's what's great about these movies you can enjoy them on so many levels you know the ones i'll talk about later even ones i i'm trying to think of which ones i've watched with luna but you know let's say something like up Luna's going to love Doug, the talking dog and stuff. But then us older people will start crying at other parts of the movie. Right. And same with uh, yeah. Finding Nemo. The kids are laughing at the sharks or or just Nemo being caught in the tank or something. But we're thinking about that poor dad out looking for Nemo. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and then the relationship when they they reconnect, yeah. it was really good. And um one of the things that I noticed uh, in in watching the movies with my son and just watching uh, some stuff again for research for this is the the animation still holds up really well. Yeah. But when you go from that, like uh, watching it in isolation, you're like, this, this animation's great. But then you see some of the more recent ones and you're like, it's it, you can see the time difference. You can see how much things have changed and, and progressed. Wow. And it's wild. And yet they still look like Pixar movies. Yeah. So yeah, with uh, with Finding Nemo, you can look at Finding Dory, and the water looks different. The lighting looks right. different, right? Like you can. Those were over ten years apart, right? So maybe fifteen. It was quite a while uh, between those two movies. Uh, so you can definitely see a difference. But just, but you you're right. You can still enjoy them. You don't see. Oh, this is kind of crummy uh, animation. Like it's definitely. You don't think that, but uh, you can definitely see a difference with the later Pixar movies. Now, let me drag it back to that just a bit, because as much as we're talking about like the emotional resonance of being a dad, 
I mean, let's face it. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres' character as Dory was a was <laughs> obviously a big enough hit that they gave her her own spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ellen herself, not uh, terribly popular these days, but in general, like <laughs> I do find, and again, I do not tune into that particular frequency. I am not a dad, but uh, the most memorable part of that movie for me was definitely Ellen's performance. Like Dory is a hilarious character. Yeah, it's a great character. You're right. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. I absolutely loved her character and. This movie is definitely like that. I looked at the list of Pixar movies to refresh myself, and there's very few that I would be like, eh, I don't really want to watch that again. Like they're they're so watchable, they're so entertaining, they're funny, they're sad, they're scary at times. We'll get that. We'll get to that, right? <laughs> definitely, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, there's there's uh, Ellen is is great, and she's really funny. And I, I don't think I, I think our generation kind of missed the boat on Albert Brooks a little mm. bit, but he's really funny too. Mm. And he brings a lot to the character of Marlin. And uh, I'm trying to have more of a, an appreciation of him as I get older. Right. And I've watched some of his old movies recently too. So good. I watched uh well, that's a different conversation. Right? <laughs> let's talk about broadcast news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, speaking Seriously. of Albert Brooks, let's talk about taxi driver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay what's your number four brian number four was uh action movie done by pixar called the incredibles is that that must be in your list yeah yeah look at who you're talking to it's it's higher on my i'm looking at you right now it's graham right i'm talking to graham (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. Uh, i'm looking at my wall of comic books so i that's definitely gonna rank a little higher okay so we're gonna talk about that when we get to your number Three, two, one, four, Whatever. three, two, one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to put a pin in the Incredibles four. for now. But, Can it uh, up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's lob it back over the court to you, Graham. What's your four? It's Ratatouille. All right. Uh, has that rank for you? You know, so as, as I was saying, and, and I could even, ch- this, the, my number five position was the hardest one. As I said, I had, I had Monster Inc. I almost put Ratatouille on there. Then I put Inside Out. And then maybe I forgot some of the plot of Inside Out, but it was still on my list. <laughs> um, but Ratatouille is, oh man, such a beautiful movie. I I loved that movie, and and that's not that's not on my list, but you know it's Pixar. There, I love them all. Maybe except Cars yeah. too. That was the one with the spy thriller plot, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Michael Caine. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, neither here nor there. So Ratatouille. Tell me about Ratatouille. June 29th, 2007, written and directed by Brad Bird, story by Brad Bird, Jim Capobianco, and Jan Pinkava. It's about a rat who uh, sort of um, marionettes a man into being an excellent chef. That is the the shortest possible way to describe it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Patton Oswalt plays the, does the voice of this rat who is uh, an outcast amongst rat society because he's got a discerning palate and isn't just going to eat garbage and he ends up in Paris and there's a young man who's just started work as a, in a um, restaurant that's fallen on hard times and uh, he is a garbage boy but dreams of becoming a chef and he meets this rat and the rat is able to take control of him and make him a better chef and there's a lot more plot twists and stuff, but that that's the the gist of it. That's mm-hmm. the important part. Well, you've missed and... one of the most important parts, I think, is that okay. the character's name is Alfredo Linguini, <laughs> which I will never not laugh at. 
<laughs> yeah, it's great. And and uh, yeah, there's there's one of the things I really like about the movie is how all of the character design is so different. Every one of the chefs has a really unique mm-hmm. look. And and that is something like I think picks there's a, a, a app right now that can yep. Pixarify you. So there's like this this distinct thing of what a Pixar character is supposed to look like. We watch this movie and everyone looks completely different. And it's just a great movie about acceptance. And again, like a lot of family stuff comes into it and found families. And um, there's great villains and uh, great performances. Ian Holm is this little Napoleon-esque chef and and he's fantastic. And then Peter O'Toole is uh, Anton Ego, this critic who a food critic who's toppled many a restaurant with his reviews and his performance. I was just hooked on every word, every piece of delivery he had was so good. Really enjoyed the movie, and I hadn't seen it since it came out. I, like so many of these Pixar movies, I saw once and then kind of just put aside because I I don't watch that many animated movies. But now that I got the kid and I'm seeing them all again, it really resonated more this time than it did that first time. Yeah, no, it's uh, and and the animation in this and just like the the streets of Paris look very like authentic. And uh, also, I'm a huge Patton Oswalt fan, so so that yeah. that that helps as well. Yeah, he's um, phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> but it didn't. Uh, but it didn't make your list at all, Brian. There must be something about it that just doesn't. <laughs> I hate French people. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I fair enough. Fair enough. I uh, I really you know, and and also, hey. As a, as a big Disney Parks fan, there's a Ratatouille ride opening in Epcot on October 1st, uh, which opened in Disneyland Paris a few years ago. And you're in a rat and you're in, in the perspective of a rat. So you're like, uh, there's like, you're under a table and people are squishing you by and there's there's things that go by you quickly. And it looks like a amazing trackless ride. Oh, cool! It does sound cool. Yeah. So uh, there's a parks connection too, and it's not it's not on my list, but but hey, you know, I got some good ones too, man. You know, they're just all good. <laughs> it's hard. I'm not hey. saying they're not. I'm just curious. Maybe <laughs> uh, just maybe the food thing didn't quite reach out to you. Maybe you don't like eating. Some people I, are very apathetic about their food. Good eating. <laughs> yeah. I I am not a, a food guy. Yeah. Like I I like eating. I like food, but I'm not a foodie. I'll eat whatever you put in front of me. I'm like I'm like Remy the rat's brother who right. will just eat, eat garbage. Cardboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't. So that element of it didn't resonate with me. But like the passion of the characters for their their things and the idea of you know selling out and and what it is to to put your heart and soul into something that resonated. And, and I know there's been some criticism of the movie in that it is, can be seen to be like an anti critic movie. Like it's yeah. Like it's doesn't paint critics in a very positive light. And to the point, like I think there's a line where it's like uh, the person who makes the worst garbage is still above a critic Mm -hmm. who only exists to criticize other people's work. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's quite that harsh, but that's the message of it. So I don't really agree with that (laughs) aspect of it, but I do enjoy so much of the rest of the movie. And, and again, the, the, like the animation, it doesn't look quite as good as some of the modern Mm -hmm. stuff, but the style of it holds so true. And, and the way, uh, Linguini moves around when he's being controlled by the rat is fantastic. It's it's a great 
movie. I think that's that's something that shows the talents in like the the lighting department too, in uh, like how they make those streets of Paris look like at, at night mm. and in the morning too. Like it's it's beautiful. It's like a work of arts. Like some of those scenes. It also looked a lot different from anything else they'd ever done before, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what you're. Maybe it just goes back to what you were saying, Graham, about like how the characters all look distinct. That they don't have that Pixar look. Uh, you could tell this is a Pixar movie, but this is something very different the way they did it. Like they could have gotten away with generic city and putting up you know French street signs, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. It it definitely had an identity. I just appreciating it from a pure technical level. Those uh, they, they got some some Wonder Kid animators over at Pixar. Mm-hmm. Okay, well let's move on to your number three, Brian. Number three is a wonderful movie called Up. Is that on your list, Graham? It is not on oh, my list. Wow, oh, that's a uh, okay. So didn't I didn't make it up there? <laughs> <laughs> that's my goofy uh so i didn't write summaries of these movies like you i don't have the the actors and the directors and writers uh in front of me but uh basically this movie is about carl who's an older gentleman in his 70s who lost his wife and they plan to do this big trip to paradise falls after they retired that was like you know they and so he wants to move that entire house to paradise falls and he uses probably thousands of balloons attached to his house to make that trip to paradise falls. And then a little boy names, what was his name? I didn't, I thought I wrote it down. Oh, it's a boy. Oh, I forget. That. He's really <laughs> cute. He's, he's like a boy so scout. Russell. 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 Yes. Russell. Right. <laughs> Russell. Uh, he is like on the house and then he has to go on this adventure and they go to paradise falls and all this fun stuff happens. And it's it's lovely. The the one this is not uh, maybe didn't affect me as a father, but I don't know if you guys remember the opening montage of Up when they're going through the love Legendary. story. Yes, the life, the love, the love story between Carl and his wife, um, them falling in love, them being by the tree and reading together and, you know, going on picnics and stuff and then even shows them trying to have a baby and they the doctor says they can't have it like it's pretty dark they find out they can't have a baby together uh and then leading up to the wife's passing it's this is a very you, you think movies especially pixar or animation movies in general n- never start off on such a sad note um mm-hmm. but that was that was really something for them to do that like that was a risk and i also like the risk they took and having Carl, uh, older guy with the a cane, be the main character. You know, when you think about Disney and animation, you think of um, cuddly characters. You have Doug the dog, who's very cuddly, but he's not the main character. Uh, it's they do have figures out of Carl, but he's not the stereotypical uh, toy that all the kids are rushing to at Toys R Us when they come out, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. Uh, so I love that risk they took. And they did that with some other movies as well, which I'm going to talk about later. Um, but yeah, this is a beautiful movie. Um, very um, just and just that image of the the house flying through the air. That's look on Pinterest. You'll see that <laughs> or, or like anybody's like a, any Disney fans like wedding photos. They have like the grape soda pin or something. Uh, this movie really resonated with a lot of people. And um it's beautiful. I, I haven't watched it actually for a few years. I gotta gotta put it in again. 
Well, that that's that's kind of my knock against it a little bit. I I watched it relatively recently, and I was enthralled for like the first half hour. I the love story stuff is so well done. Uh, Carl is a great character. Russell's a great character. The balloons taking off and the the house taking off and flying away. It's all great. And I it starts to lose me when they land and they they it becomes more of like a hero villain yeah. plot with the evil dog. It definitely and... it definitely turn yeah, it does take a turn, but some and again, yeah, you're right. I'm saying all the things I was talking about was mainly in the first half, but that's still a fun um fun sequence and fun, you know, part of the movie. Yeah. It just didn't resonate the, with me as much as much, but but still those parts I mentioned stick in my mind well enough for it to be uh number three on my list. For sure. Yeah. I respect that. I respect, respect that. the I, list, man. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. But yeah, great, great beginning of a movie and uh so colorful yeah. and again, interesting character design. Like even even Russell, who is a more traditional animation lead character as like a boy scout who's trying to help an old man he's he's asian which Mm -hmm. isn't really addressed in the movie at all it's just just what he is back to the character yeah and he's also kind of like chubby Mm -hmm. and that's not usually something you see in in hero characters either and to have a cranky square (laughs) old man literally square (laughs) like his face and his glasses are very square right yeah right very flacky design yeah Yeah. And then to have the other, the villain of the piece be another old man. Old man. It's like it, they break a lot of rules or a lot of conventions yeah. anyway, yeah. but they do it very well. Yeah. I think there, a lot of that has to do with the relationship between Carl and Russell. Like that's a fun, like it's sometimes you fall into that stereotype, like the Abbott and Costello stereotype. Mm-hmm. You have the funny one and the straight the man. straight man. Yeah. But, but Carl, I mean, He's not exactly a straight man, is he? Like he's sort of humorous in his own way. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's 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 easy to do a cranky character who you don't like, but they make him. I, maybe it's uh, like maybe it's this is just a little because of that intro, but like you can't help but like him, even though he's such an old curmudgeon. Exactly, and that really helps justify like how badly Russell wants to impress him. <laughs> that's that's a delicate balance, and they walk it really well. Uh, I did want to mention just while we're talking about this one that I do, uh, I do have a knock against this movie as well, and it's that whenever it comes up in conversation, everybody wants to imitate the dog with the with the <laughs> squirrel, <laughs> and it, it and yeah. it's getting a little old. Just <laughs> everyone you talk to, I, squirrel. Oh, hey, you saw up. That, you okay. know, man, you gotta meet some other people. All my friends want to imitate the balloons. You know, it's just kind of sway. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of yeah. friends who want to get high. Huh? Yeah, we get high, man. <laughs> We're going to Paradise Falls. <laughs> Another thing that that Pixar does often is we'll have they'll have their behind the scenes people do voices and stuff. So Doug the dog is actually voiced by one of the like filmmakers, huh? Bob Peterson. He's the co-director of Up, and he did the voice of the dog, and and yet it's it's like the most iconic voice in that movie. <laughs> Awesome. It's, I, I wonder if it steals the spotlight a little, sort of the way Dory does in Finding Nemo. I mean, I, none, nothing that you've said is wrong. It is a touching story, and there is a fun adventure in the second half. But whenever you talk about it, I mean, you're like, Brian, it's, you're right. It's the image of the house and the yep. balloons. But And then just, and Doug, 
just mm-hmm. like those are the two things that come away with it and i wonder if it overshadows the like the actual characters and story and message a little is that yeah, fair I, you know I, I feel uh yeah that's totally fair but and um uh, i think too that's something that my daughter would like that actually her avatar on uh, disney plus is doug I chose that for her, but uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. no, I knew it, like, that's that's great for. As I said, having having Carl as the hero is is a risk, but uh, Doug is a little something else for the kids. But I don't think it like sacrifices the story having him in there. You know, like it's uh, some some humor in there, even though you know, as we said, Carl and uh, the boy. Russell. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just written that down when he said it. Carl Russell. There's some some cute moments between them and stuff, but you know, you have that uh, kind of um, jokey character like uh, like Doug in there. I think. Gotcha. All right, maybe I'm just getting a little old and curmudgeonly about hearing the impression. <laughs> that might just a be little me. Carl. As does this happen every time you go out? <laughs> it's a, I. It's only when he sees the squirrel. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that, isn't there? Anyway, let's. Uh, we don't oh, need to focus. Yeah, all on my that. friends are always stopping at fire hydrants and stuff. <laughs> Man, you know, it's because of that movie. <laughs> Damn you, movie! Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> oh no! All okay. right, let's move on. My number three is possibly the most recent movie that's going to make our list by the sounds of it. It is Coco. Oh, hey, that almost made my list. As I said, for my my five, that was almost there. Let's yeah. ta- tell us those directors and writers for Coco, please, Graham. <laughs> okay, I want to give credit where credit's due. So it came out November 22nd, 2017, directed by Lee Unkrich, and uh, written by Matthew Aldrich and Adrian Molina, and the stories by Aldrich, Molina, Unkrich, and Will McCormick. Uh, this is a story about a little boy in Mexico who... Um, lives in this this family that just makes shoes. That's their their thing. But uh, the matriarch of the family was spurned by a musician, so now music is forbidden in the house. And the little boy just wants to play guitar. Uh, various things happen. He ends up in the afterlife, and the only way to get back is to get permission from his dead family members on the Day of the Dead to return. And the the now dead matriarch will only let him come back if he promises not to make music. He goes on an adventure. Everyone's uh, love of music is rekindled and uh, everyone is happy and uh, returns to the world or he returns to life. They stay dead, but uh, they music stay is restored to the family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Happily ever after dead. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I saw that basically in order to for, for research for this list. I felt it was like a big hole when, when we decided to do this, I was like, I got to watch Coco because mm-hmm. I've never seen it before. And it seems like it's a popular one. And man, it what touched me very much. Uh, the music was great. The performances were great and just stunning animation. And, oh yeah. And the colors, design. especially when they're into oh. the, whatever you call it, like the afterlife. Uh, the the yeah. colors in there is beautiful, and the the musical numbers and stuff. Uh, I saw this in theater in Korea, actually, um, and yeah, I I loved it. This totally could have been, but that that number five spot, man, was so hard. That cold, totally could have been Coco. Uh, I really really enjoyed Coco as well. Uh, it was like a Coco herself as this ancient old woman in in the real world in the 
uh, movie and her design, like anytime they, they showed her, I was just like, I should pause and just marvel mm-hmm. at all of the details mm-hmm. they put into this character design. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So good. And, uh, uh, Gael Garcia Bernal does the voice of, um, the main character's escort through the afterlife. And he gives a, an incredible performance, does singing and, and just and jokes. And he steals the whole show. He's fantastic. It does seem like there's a fair number of like actually Mexican or Spanish actors yes. performing these characters, which I mean, it's sad that that's something we still have to sort of point out as a thing, but like, that's a thing that doesn't always happen. Yeah. I, I think now it's kind of like you have to do, you know, cause it's like, it's absolutely going to get called out. If you don't have actual representation in it, thinking about a movie I saw in 2010 or 11 Prince of Persia, where Jake Gyllenhaal was, uh, Iranian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we may we have discussed that on a recent episode. And it, was a, it was a painful yeah. watch. Um uh, so yeah, you know, and, and it makes the makes the movie more authentic and uh like it's it just sounds right. You like I would hate to have uh actor like voice actors from the West putting on accents, you know, that would be terrible. Yeah, I mean the only major exception is uh Pixar's l- Lucky Charm, John Ratzenberger, Cliff from Cheers, yeah. who's, who's been in every Pixar yeah. movie. He says one word in the movie just to keep the the train going <laughs> of, of him appearing in all of them. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a, a really good movie. I think I, it took me so long to see it, just partly because of when it came out. I was when my heir was born. I'm going to keep going with that theme. Uh, I, so I thought it was I a was funny not... one off. If you want to incorporate it into everyday life, like, go for it. I'm changing his name to Air. Right. Uh, but we, yeah. So we, that first year of life, you're not you're not seeing many movies. What? Uh, Come so on, man. I, All the time. <laughs> sorry, I should have <laughs> letting the team down. Um, but yeah, and and I think the. I, I, there was a game when when we were kids called Grim Fandango that had a similar aesthetic to it. So I think I was sort of maybe a little put off about that. I'm like Grim Fandango did this. This is a, should be a Grim Fandango movie. <laughs> so there were little things that were roadblocks in my way to, to I, actually seeing it. I also had the I wish this was Grim Fandango, and uh, and, and <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't. Grim and it's insane. It's it's a crazy person <laughs> thing. It's indefensible. They're two completely different things. <laughs> But it happened. I take back my thank you. <laughs> Do we also want to mention that this like, had a little bit of controversy thanks to, I mean, you know, thanks to Disney more than to Pixar. Like this, the, tell me this. Yeah, this was the Disney decided they wanted to trademark Dia de los Muertos, uh, uh-huh. like the traditional Mexican holiday. But you know, Disney owns it now, um, and there was a a big uproar from the Mexican American community and petitions and you know cultural appropriation accusations and after about a week of terrible media disney canceled and said uh, oh we we didn't you know we had no idea that this would offend anybody and sort of step back from it in a very disappointing corporate bullshit kind of way i'm gonna come out and say it uh so it's it's worth noting that some people were rubbed a little bit the wrong mm-hmm. way i think the content of the film is very respectful uh, I, I think mm-hmm. that the, the actual subject material is handled well, but the you know the corporate metaverse behind it, I just I feel like I would feel icky if we didn't just mention that. Just as yeah, an FYI, sure. keep it in mind. Yeah, I am. Um, 
don't remember that, but of course that's <laughs> that would leave a bad taste in people's mouths. Yeah. Sometimes those things get blown up more than than they should, but I, I don't know. I gotta look into it a bit more. It's pretty that would be pretty messed up. There, there's a current thing with Loki where supposedly Disney's trying to copyright or trademark Loki. I don't even know if that's possible though. So hmm. uh, that's blowing up on the internet, but I, I kinda wanna read more about it before I start throwing stones. Anyway, yeah, the point yeah. being like I wanted to make sure it's clear. <laughs> That wasn't like the like the content of the film itself, and I'm sure the people like doing the voices, doing the animation, like none of that was because of them. Like it's not like the movie is taking something and twisting it the way a lot of these did things did. You know, back in the time when we were kids, uh, like like mm-hmm. the actual content of this is great. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really taken away. Great music. Ah, so so much to enjoy in that movie. I'm ready to see it again already. What is your number two, Mister Dunn? Number two is the masterpiece of Wally. Uh, that is higher on my oh. list. <laughs> Whoa, okay. Oh, higher than two? What? <laughs> what? 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 what, what? <laughs> okay, my number two is the Incredibles. Okay, so let's so talk we about we were, that. that was my four. Let's go yeah. Incredibles. Okay, let me give the, the, this one will be brief. Came out November 5th, 2004, written and directed by Brad Bird. Take it away, Brian. What's what? <laughs> uh, so uh, one thing I noted is, yeah, Brad Bird, who also did um, Ratatouille. And yeah. as you see from watching The Incredibles, it's like, oh, yeah, of course he directed Ghost Protocol. You know, like he was a great oh, yeah. action director. Uh, and this movie really sticks out from all the other uh, Pixar movies because there's actually like some violence in it there's explosions there's car chases there's dead skeletons <laughs> everywhere from the you know what the robot kills right, uh, right. i yeah man so back when i was in korea i taught a class of like a movie it's like a movie class and they had this um a dvd player <laughs> they, had a, they had a dvd player this was back in the day and i would they had like a textbook with the player. So we'd go through scene by scene and we'd, we'd like repeat the dialogue with the kids and stuff. Um, but going through the movie kind of step by step like that really made me appreciate like how, how great this, the writing is uh, for this movie uh, and the, and the characters. And there's a lot of jokes I didn't really notice before, but reading them through three times with different glasses, <laughs> uh, I noticed, um, but man, it's, and I'll have to watch. I've seen both. I've seen Incredibles Part Two as well, which is not on my list, and it was okay. But Incredibles is just uh, groundbreaking of of what they did for for an action and action animation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I loved that movie when it first came out. I'm a superhero fan uh, through and through, and this is the best Fantastic Four movie that's ever been made, and it doesn't even have any <laughs> Marvel connection whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it's got some pretty obvious Marvel nods, right? The Incredibles yeah. and the Fantastic Four. Uh, it's it's there. Let's just go with that. It's there. I guess we should run through the uh, the plot a little bit. It's uh, it's a world of superheroes, but uh, as sometimes happens in these dystopian superhero stories, laws have been passed to outlaw superheroes. And uh, this is about a, a family who have to hide their superpowers now and uh, live normal lives, but stuff keeps bringing it out and they got to save the day. And um, a wannabe sidekick of Mr. Incredible from, from when he was a kid 
has grown up to be this supervillain who's uh, named Syndrome and and he must be stopped. His, his superhero ambitions have been corrupted into an evil uh, vein. And also an excellent voice performance by Samuel L. Ja- Samuel L. Jackson as Frozone. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, no, this movie is uh, so... And I love, too, how... Two wasn't two wasn't perfect, but I thought it's cool how two picked up right at the end of one, right at that right. fight scene yeah. at the end. Um, yeah, John Ratzenberger is the underminer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, and also, I, I dress up as Mister Incredible for Halloween too. So whenever <laughs> Luna talks to me about Halloween, she says, "Daddy, superhero." I'm like, "Yeah, Daddy's a superhero, of course." <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> So yeah, a great superhero story. Like it has all the setup mm-hmm. it needs to be. Like it creates that adversity. It has the action scenes. It has like them like, you know, coming together to work together to overcome a challenge. But also like a really touching family movie. Mm-hmm. And they don't pull the punches with it. Like there's the like there's the scene where where Craig T. Nelson where he like where he thinks his wife is dead. And he, yeah. you know, and he's telling the the femme fatale, like, you know, what else can you do to me at this point? Like, like and it's like it just rips your heart right out of your chest. Mm. They don't hold back, but just the, the 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 interaction between the family, like mom and dad, and the two. Well, I guess I guess the girl's a teenager, and the, the kid is still a kid, right? He's like nine or ten or something. Um, but it just, but just like the way they communicate with each other. I guess Graham, that's probably where you're drawing your Fantastic Four parallel. Also because of the powers a little, but but also just because of the family thing, like the fact that the family structure is so much about it is like that was by far the most compelling part of the story for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and the family dynamic is something really great, and their their uh, interactions while also having superpowers, uh, the bickering between siblings, and the the sometimes you know exasperating difficulties that can arise between a husband and a wife, especially when they're also parents and also have jobs. Yeah. It's it really resonated with, with a real world feeling while also having superhero activities. It, in exactly. It. Them just arguing at the dinner table, him having to deal with a supervisor at work and come home in that tiny car. You know, you, we see that as, as not just parents, but as adults too, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm Mr. Incredible, but I got to pay the bills. You know, like he had to have that insurance job for his family. Uh, <laughs> and just seeing him at that in that tiny cubicle, he's like, well, I just kind of have to do this, even though superheroes weren't they were they were banned then. But he, he had to do something with his life. He had to provide for his family. And don't we all just want to throw our supervisor through a cubicle wall sometimes? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Lot to empathize with there. And I Maybe think, a little too cor- much. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm remembering the supervisor was Wallace Shawn. Is, was that Wallace Shawn? Yeah. Grand Nega Zek himself. <laughs> God, that's what a, a voice. distinctive voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So good. And then I guess also, I, I don't think I tuned into it as much, but Edna Mode was Edna a real Mode. breakout oh, the, from yeah. this movie. Like Her yeah, character gets used a lot. Um, and am I insane if I think that that was, like, that was actually Brad Bird? Is that real? I'm trying to look it up now. Yep. Yep, you're right. <laughs> Created by... Voiced by Brad Bird. <laughs> like that's also an incredible voice. So like extra yeah. props to him, like on top of everything else. But her as the like the fashionista, like the yeah. like the, her role in the movie is she designs the outfits. She's where you get the famous no capes bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. 
But everyone really, and again, didn't really hit me. Maybe I'm the outlier. Usually is the case. But (laughs) a lot of people really dug that. I don't know if it's the performance or just the concept of the... the, And her style, too. Her haircut, her glasses. Like, she was a really popular Halloween character and the way she talked and stuff. And she's very short and she's got the cigarette holder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, darling. I think... She's one of those, uh, she's like Doug, is voiced by the mm. director, and it becomes the breakout yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I read at one point that um, he he did what they call a scratch track, where he recorded her voice, and they were like, well, we'll find someone famous who can sound something like that, or we'll get a voice who can do that, except better. And they could never find anyone who could do it better. <laughs> so now he's got a job for life as Edna Mode whenever she pops up in a video game or a sequel or whatever. Hey, good for him. That's, that's a heck of a performance. <laughs> like on top of everything else awesome he's doing, that is a great performance. Just a little bit jealous. Mostly happy for him. <laughs> little bit jealous. Because what a he great also- directed uh, Iron Giant. He's got a lot of... Yeah, I was looking at his filmography today, yeah. And some episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Very impressive man. Uh, All over the damn place. So, let's do our number ones. We already know mine. Should we cover that first and then go to yours? Yeah, let's leave it as a surprise. Yeah, yeah, because we're both Wally, right? So we're talking Wally. Um, You do your... Your introduction. <laughs> Who is the voice of Wally? I didn't even. <laughs> ben Burt. I oh, can actually okay. answer that. <laughs> uh, you tried to stump me, but I got it. I was curious. <laughs> I wasn't stumping. As who is the? That's a question, Graham. Who is the voice? That's huh? no, not. <laughs> uh, so it came out June twenty seventh, two thousand eight. Again, directed by Andrew Stanton. Just like Finding Nemo, mm. uh, you'll find, especially with these early um, Pixar movies, a lot of familiar names as you go through the the credits. But uh, yeah, directed by Andrew Stanton, written by Jim Reardon and Stanton, with a story by Pete Doctor and Stanton. I think Pete Doctor he did he did uh, Inside Out, he did Inside Out, and yeah. I think yeah. uh, 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 Soul. He did Soul. He oh yes, Soul. sorry, right Pete too. Doctor oh, okay. is the regular script doctor. Is that? <laughs> uh, and he said, "Ooh ee, ooh ah ah, chang chang, wada wada, bing bang." Okay, that exactly. yeah, you you took my joke and you made it way better. And that's <laughs> <laughs> so Wally is about a, a little robot who's been left behind on Earth at, to clean up the pollution. Uh, the planet has been abandoned due to the rampant pollution. Not exactly a subtle commentary, but uh, still powerful in, in how it's presented. And he is is kind of glitching out. He seems to be like the last working unit of his type. And he's developed a personality. He's not just going out there to do his job. He's collecting stuff. He's a little weird. Uh, another probe, a more um, or a probe that is much more advanced, named Eve, comes to mm-hmm. see if Earth is ready to be repopulated again. And Wally gets a crush on her, and she does on him too. She goes. She finds a plant thanks to Wally, and goes back to the ship, and that lets all of humanity know that they can return. But humanity on this uh this like escape vessel has become sort of Complacent. overly pampered mm-hmm. yeah there's they they don't no one does anything for themselves they're just robots do everything and they just hover around on these chairs and drink milkshakes of that have all their nutritional content and they have to just all they have to decide in the day mm-hmm. is like where they're gonna sit and lie for the day by the pool or at the mall or whatever and it's you know kind of a a perhaps cruel commentary on modern life, but eventually they 
everything is uh the 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 one of the robots the robots that controls the ship doesn't want to return to earth it likes things in space uh but it, they manage to solve it the humans rise up and and defeat the uh the this robot and Wally with Wally's help the delightful help of Wally and they return to earth and and set about the work of reclaiming the planet mm. from the horrible pollution <sighs> Yeah, I, I watched this movie recently, actually. I saw it in theaters. I've seen it many times on... I have... It's on Disney+, Plus, obviously, but I, I like to watch things on Blu-ray if I have them because you don't have, like, uh, little glitches or sometimes that you watch uh, when you watch streaming things. Um, yeah. But uh, it's... So, so one thing I love about this movie is I am a giant Charlie Chaplin fan, and I... Ever since I was like six or something, I've been watching a lot of silent movies. And so I, I love physical comedy. This movie has so little dialogue, especially the first, oh, like the first over half of the movie is yeah, like 45 minutes, yeah. close to an hour before yeah. no one says a word. Yeah. He says, yeah. Wally, Eva. Uh, that's pretty much, maybe it says a few more words. No sentences. He didn't say any sentences. Eva says, uh, directive, I think, right? When she gets the plants. Um, I think so. She doesn't say anything. The, the captain talks on the ship and the the real captain, the uh, whatever, the uh, the hal of the ship. The, the talks. auto. But even the, the people that are the the passengers of the ship, they're kind of, as you said, they're they're all kind of big and they're just letting life happen around them. They're not even speaking a lot either, either except when like when they get knocked out of their um, little pods that one time and the woman realizes how beautiful it is when they, when they look out the window then they actually talk. But I, you know, think about animation and how you can find empathy in these characters that aren't, they're just drawn by hand or drawn in this case by computer. But usually you get that empathy by some speech they have or interaction they have, but this is almost all silence. And I love that. I absolutely love that. So that's yeah, that's my mean, favorite thing about this movie is how they use silence. And and still, kids enjoy this movie. Like you think, I talked about Carl, how he's unlikely, you know, to be like a a toy. And there's still there's definitely toys of Wally. Um, but again, I mean, he's like he's a, so he's a robot. Yeah, the robots in this movie are are there's no word in the English language to convey how adorable these creatures are. <laughs> yeah, these things sell toys like gangbusters. <laughs> Let's be very clear, that was definitely in their mind when they designed uh, I these things. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I want to talk a bit more about the sound and uh, Ben Burt is is a big part of that. He's a famous sound designer and uh he he does the voice of of Wally and other stuff, but he he is like the brain behind Skywalker sound and, and created the sound design, like all the famous noises you've heard in star Wars. He was involved with it with in some way, the lightsaber, the tie fighters, Chewbacca's noises. He also did Indiana Jones. He's, he's a legend. And so it's so cool that they brought him in to, to create the voice of Wally mm. through, you know, his own voice, but also all the effects he put on it. And, and he's, he does not get nearly enough credit. He's, a hero. I love that man. There's also something very special about this movie. The only appearance by a live actor in a Pixar movie. 
oh good yeah kind of and you don't think about it when you see it right yeah. somehow it fits in just perfectly and then you think back and you go wait wasn't that that guy it's fred willard <laughs> fred, and of all people you know fred willard is amazing he's the spokesperson spokesperson for by and large right bnl right yeah by and large is the name of the company yeah. that is sort of responsible for destroying the earth in wally Pretty much like, and this was before Amazon was a big thing, right? That's kind of like what Amazon's like now. <laughs> yeah, I think at the time, time, I think was sort of a Walmart. Yeah, and yeah pretty much Walmart. Walmart. Yeah. yeah, no offense, yeah. Walmart. So it, Maybe a little offense. <laughs> well, a any little bit of offense. offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so it's a it's a great movie, and all of those things. I think the lack of dialogue mm. adds to it because Absolutely. you you can imprint whatever you want on these characters they're they're robots for the most part and i i do think the movie has taken some criticism and some hits for being like fat phobic or or whatever mm. for the depiction of humans on the ship but i don't think in watching it again recently with that in mind i i didn't find the depiction to be cruel necessarily no, no. like they, they had they were still good people. They were just in a situation that was out of their they had no, control. Yeah, and no exercise and no really place to yeah move around and have healthy, no, no plant food, right? That's why Eve was going to Earth to get like plant life. So they're all having unnatural foods out there and they're not moving around. So of course, and, yeah. And let's and, be clear, like those characters, you know, Russell was a little fat. Mm, like these mm. characters... You know, as depicted, are incredibly medically obese. Like this is beyond. <laughs> like, like this isn't there... a body acceptance, body shaming thing. This is like you are on the verge of dying soon. Let's talk about Sully and Monsters Inc. <laughs> Too <laughs> big. Gotta lose some weight. <laughs> but they they're also like they almost don't have bones. They can. They're so. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it's beyond. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even I don't think they're gluttonous. I think they're just sedentary. And it's like a, a life of 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 just where there's no movement. There's no life They're They're practically just blobs. And it's it's like a uh, possible future for humanity, but not probably not realistically. But in those set of circumstances, it's a possible thing. And I think even beyond that, it's it's like no one is blaming these specific people. I don't think, yeah. or the movie isn't. Mm-hmm. No, it's just it's, like, yeah, it's not their this fault. Is, yeah. So I don't think it's, I, I mean, I, you could take it however you want. It's a, it's a movie. It's open to interpretation. But when I was watching it, I didn't feel like it was blaming them. And, and these, the humans tried to take control of the situation and, and save the day. There's a part where the, the two, the closest things that like hero humans we see other than the captain are, are again, John Ratzenberger and uh, Kathy Najimi are, are these, the voices of these characters. And there's a part where the ship is tipping and like inertial dampeners are off to use a Star Trek term. And all these babies are, yeah. are falling and sliding down and they save them. Yeah. They like swoop in and let the babies land all on together. them. They're, they they're, work together. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they do have heroic qualities and it's, it's like they're, it could have been a lot worse, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not malicious. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. It's not. I, I don't think it was done in a malicious way. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's done with uh, good intentions. Oh, beautiful. I got to watch that again. Love that movie. Great movie. Yeah. Okay, so what's your number, <sighs> number one? Number one. Okay, so I, I'm i a little surprised it's not on your list at all. But, you know, you're still a good guy, Graham. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not, a, not a knock. 
It's not, I'm not being malicious. Right? No. <laughs> I appreciate that. This is a no malicious zone. Was I just called out? To... I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so my number one movie is actually Pixar's first feature is Toy Story. Um, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so Toy Story I... to me, I... I love that movie. I don't know if I need to do a summary of this. I feel everyone has seen Toy Story about Andy and his toys come to life when the doors close. Uh, Buzz comes over. What do you used to be the top toy? Buzz comes over as the the king of the king of the hill, and then they Buzz gets lost. They got to find Buzz, and then uh, Spike next door tries to kill them. And Bubba, it's it's great. It's an adventure, and the it talent, is- the voice talents. The story, the settings, I love it. Yeah, it's a great movie. I I, I think maybe it's like uh, a thing of familiarity breeds yeah. contempt. Like I, maybe I've seen it too many times, and so the magic has worn off on me a bit. So you know, I live in this world where it's, I'm just kind of enveloped <laughs> by magic every day. And one way I do that is I actually have a Pizza Planet hat that I wear every day. I have a a Buzz Lightyear hoodie that has if you. Hit the button on the arm makes a laser sounds uh, like it works. It's, a, it's not a real. It's not going to kill people. It just makes a, it makes a noise. Um, so I love that world. I love the Andy's cloud room. I love the Pizza Planet with the the rocket outside and the rocket inside with the aliens. Um, you know, uh, Tim Allen has uh, questionable views, but uh, him his playing of, of Buzz and. Um, Tom yeah. Tom Hanks is Woody. You know, it's the classic uh, artist, yeah. and uh, their, chemistry all, yeah, their chemistry is phenomenal. And all of the, all of the, especially three, three was excellent. Two and four were still great, uh, but but three was also very touching. They've done so much with these characters, and I love the world. And also, like, I think the music can be paralyzing, 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 paralyzing. Um. The music can be pork. contentious. Pork. <laughs> you know when you try to say this one word and it's you're looking for polarizing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, paralyzing. Like I can't move. I can't move because I'm on the polars. I'm on the north and the south. Anyways, uh, today I was. This is not a lie. I was. I was walking and I had my. So my my I my YouTube music is basically like. Bernie Ladies, Weird Al, and Disney music. So uh, I was the the song before that was Rainbow Connection, and then it was Strange Things from uh, Toy Story. And uh, Andy Newman, you know, some people like him, some people hate him. I find that music is just so perfect uh, for those Toy Story movies. Uh, so there's just there's there's a lot I love about them. I think it's kind of one of my one of my comfort movies again, though, as you're saying about, uh, I forget what movie it was, Graham about like, Oh, finding Nemo about how you see like the, uh, the changes in the, the animation, like just the quality of the animation, man, if you, the, the, the toys themselves look okay, but the, the kids, the like the humans. Whoa. Yeah. Oh man. I'm, I'm glad you said <laughs> yeah. it. I was going to ask you about it very carefully, but yeah, yet, not. Yeah. The, 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 the animation Valley. in this is a lot closer to reboot than it is to yeah. Finding Nemo. Like, yes, yeah. it's it's it, it it right now. When if you watch the original Toy Story, it kind of looks like a prototype. Like, it looks like a previs. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, think about this. That was animated in 90, like three, you know, it came it, out in 95. Yeah. Released, yeah. Released in 95. Yeah. So animated for a few years like, before that. Yeah. 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 Um, it was so ahead of its game uh, of the game, like nothing else compared to it at the time. I remember it was groundbreaking. Like all we could talk about was how great this movie looked. Yeah. And now we look back on it and we're like, wow, that looks like a giant pile of crap. <laughs> I, that's strong. <laughs> okay. I was exaggerating for comic effects. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like there are certain styles of animation that are timeless, right? Like, like yeah. it doesn't matter how long ago it was. This isn't that. This is sort of a weird middle ground because they're still sort of figuring out what works i i think though as i said like the the main characters because like, I, I don't really watch that movie to see oh what's i want to see what andy's face looks like you know but <laughs> but the toys themselves obviously they didn't improve in the sequels but still look pretty good you know like it's to me that doesn't look that that bad to me and maybe it's the the comfort i feel watching that movie but um yeah, it's it's really the the humans in that movie that's uh just don't look right. Yeah. I when I was putting my list together, I I sort of figured that I would get called out for not having any toy story on my list because the movies have a great uh, like even within Pixar, the Toy Story movies have a, an amazing pedigree. Like all of those movies are somebody's favorite. There are people who live and die by Toy Story 2. Yep. I think all of us were ready to be like Toy Story 4. Who asked for that? It's like a Toy Story 3 is the perfect ending for that that concept. And yet Toy Story 4 worked. People really like it. I I really like parts of it. There, there's yep. some great new characters in there. You know, I don't know if you guys remember. Um, well, I'm sure you remember three. It ends with uh, Andy leaving the toys at, at the girl's house. Yeah. So I when that came out, I was in Korea. So it came actually it's a bit better now, but at that time, uh, kids movies, animation generally came out a, a month or two after the West because they they were dubbing them over and there might have just been some rights issues that they just came out later in Korea than they did over here. So everyone was like, oh, my God, Toy Story, that ending killed me. Oh, so sad. And I was watching it and. Yeah, it's kind of a longer movie, too. It's probably closer to two hours, right? Um, so I was watching it. And then close to the end of the movie, they're in that, like, garbage disposal. <laughs> like, they're going to get burned. I'm like, is this the end? They all get burned alive? Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be a way to end that franchise. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, no more sequels yet. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> But I don't know, for a second, I literally thought that was how they were going to end this movie. Because I was like, well, I guess everyone's right. This is really sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that and and I was thinking, too, I was like, well, I could put like three on this list because I love Toy Story 3. But but really, um, yeah, Toy Story has just stayed with me. I still uh, my parents moved out and I like they moved to another house and I, I went through all my childhood stuff and I picked up some classic things from my childhood and one thing i have now in my office is a clamshell vhs of toy story whoa Man, yeah, yeah whoa. those are those are artifacts I, yeah. I, I i used to hang out with a guy who collected disney vhs's like you're talking about the big plastic white yeah. case yeah they're right? called clamshell yeah yeah they snap yeah 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 
Those are those go like if you know if you're ever in need of a couple extra bucks, some people will pay a lot for those on eBay. You know, I saw a post about that. I saw I saw saying, "Oh, these things are going for hundreds of dollars now," and maybe that was some of them. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe it depends on when you bought it and if it was like totally sealed like, and everything. It's specific like UPS or UPC codes yeah. that. Oh, they just want the Disney in. movie points. That's why they're doing it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, today I so I have VHSs. Uh, you know, if you guys ever come to my house, you'll see I'm a little bit of a Disney freak and Charlie Chaplin freak. <laughs> so Luna brought a tape of the this Disney. Disney Parks like soundtrack uh, that has my other favorite thing. Bernica ladies sing Grim Grinning Ghosts on that tape. So I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So I got that in 97 when I went to the park and Luna's like, dad, can we listen to this? I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't have a tape. player. <laughs> I don't know. Why I have it. But I just kind of have to have it. <laughs> yeah. So Toy Story. Um, so yeah, didn't make your list at all, Graham, um, but uh, hard to argue with. It's yeah, I, I and but yeah. like I said, stop arguing, you, yeah, right? That's right, yeah, don't argue <laughs> with it. to me yeah. like a week from now, two weeks from now, maybe Toy Story does make this list. There's, there's the quality level between the top 10, 15 movies that Pixar has put out are, is so tight, like they're, yeah. they're all really good. I was just looking through the list again, Soul could be on my list, Onward could be on my list. Uh, I don't think cars would ever make my list, but I could definitely see it showing up on other people's list. Brave, maybe. Yeah. Monsters, Inc., Monsters University. There's a lot of really quality stuff Pixar has put I out. was looking at the... Run Tomatoes has a ranking of all the Pixar movies. Maybe maybe you saw this. And they're all like... There's like, I think, Toy Story 1 and 2 are 100%. And then all the other movies are like... 95, 96, 98. Like, <laughs> the, the lowest one is Cars 2 at like... 40 or something and, and the other cars oh, movies man. are a bit lower but um generally they're all in the 90s um you know like so people love them critics love them and i love them you love them too we all love them let's give them a big hug and a big round of applause Alrighty, I uh brian dunn ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> i get I'm weird gonna... when we get to the end of the list i kind of <laughs> bring out the different tugging news. at the hard strings <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was hey, a blast. If you want to talk top five Bernie Lady songs, we could be here all night. We could do that too. <laughs> or Chaplin movies, whatever. Hey, in the meantime, uh, so as the you know the great Nicholas Piccolis once said, you are everywhere. <laughs> but if folks uh, if folks listening to the show want a little bit more of that Brian Dunn experience, uh, where should they go to find you? You know what we should do? You should go to China right now and get the YLYK app because I do podcasts every day for that company. You guys uh, are going to China, right? <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, so that's I'm doing that, though that's only for China. Or you can go to BrianDunn.tv. Uh, I just redid my um, demo reel, and I'm going to be putting that up. It's not up now, but maybe when this episode's up, it will be up. And there's some new stuff on there, and I found some older clips that uh, I was... Uh, oh, man, I was like, man, I'm so funny. Like, oh, this, this is so funny. Uh, I'm going to put... I'm gonna, so I just do... The demo is really just one clip of me drinking milk like five times. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's it's wonderful. I feel like that probably is a good pitch for people specifically in the industry. And if you're not, if you're not, it's at least compelling, right? <laughs> well, I gotta go see this. 
Brian, again, thank you for joining us. While we are giving out thanks, uh, we always, of course, want to mention uh, Jamie Reum, the guy behind our theme song. Reum is spelled R-E-A-U-M-E. He's a local Toronto performer, and uh, with the way things are looking, he'll be out performing again before long, so you might be able to catch him live. Uh, If you can't, be sure to check out his stuff at uh, Jamie Reum Official or Jamie underscore Reum on YouTube and Instagram, respectively. Um, Good performances and also a bit of a music geek. He touches some things that we don't always hit on that show. Always, uh, always a blast. Um, and finally, of course, we want to say thank you for tuning in. Um, we're, we do in a lot of the stuff that you want to hear. We get a lot of feedback. I know we just did our sort of in-depth on video games, which is great for me because that's my bailiwick. Um, but always happy to hear if there's stuff you want to do, if you want to be on the show, or just if you have questions, concerns, or criticisms. We hear that a lot, too. Graham, how can they get that stuff to us? Please email us at uh, geektop5 at gmail.com or on Facebook facebook.com slash geek top five and we're on twitter at geek top five i don't know if we came up with the definitive top five pixar list but that's just because there are 170 jillion really good pixar movies uh plenty of good stuff there to keep you entertained until we get a chance to do this again until then i'm jesse i'm graham and this has been geek top five and we'll talk to you again next week